I want to welcome Agile XRM to the podcast. I've known the people at Agile XRM for the past 12 years. I've seen how their business process management tool can add massive value to complex organizational processes in sectors such as finance and government. If you have complex processes or a need for dialogues on the Power Platform or Dynamics 365, take a look at how this BPM tool can add value. You can find them at agilexrm.com or check out the show notes for more details. Welcome to the Power 365 show. Full show notes for this episode can be found at nz365guy.com forward slash 316. But before we chat with today's guest, here's a quick message from our sponsors. Well, today's show is brought to you by me. If you're feeling stuck in your current role and it's time to look at your career and your future options, maybe you want to have a chat uh, and and have uh, some coaching. I'm looking to take on a few more clients that want career coaching. So if you're interested, express your interest today at nz365guy.com forward slash coaching. Now with that, let's get on with the show. Today's guest is from Seattle in the US of A. She works for Microsoft as a global Power Apps product marketing manager. Welcome to the show, Briny Wolf. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Now, your voice doesn't sound like American. What's up with that? Because I'm not American. Um, I'm actually South African. And then I have a twinge of the UK since I spent about nine years there. So, yeah. Wow. You know, I met you in the UK originally. So I was uh, like, I was asking a leading question. But of course, I didn't realize that you come from SA. Yeah, no, I remember the first time I met you. Yeah, I think it was at some community event. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Pub in London somewhere after it had been, I think, at the reactor for the day doing a hackathon or something. I think the first thing you told me was that I needed to change my LinkedIn picture. <laughs> <laughs> full of advice, I am full of advice. I appreciated it. Oh, it was good. It was good. So how I tell you, you're obviously in the US now. How did you end up being there? As I say, because when I last saw you, we were in London. You're living in London. Tell us a bit about that journey. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I think, I mean, I must have joined Microsoft about four years ago after doing my MBA. And I was a lawyer before that. So I had sort of, even joining Microsoft, I didn't really have the biggest background in technology. And I started within Dynamics 365 doing a lot of, I think, like the partner enablement and sort of community. Um, And then I think I wanted to kind of get up to speed on the tech. Like I remember thinking like, I've got a lot to learn. Let me start on the foundations. (laughs) And I didn't get very far, actually. I remember kind of learning about something called CDS for apps. Mm -hmm. And I'd only been at Microsoft a few months. I went to my boss and I was like, this is what I want to (laughs) do. And he was like, I love the the passion. (laughs) He was like, but that's that's not a job yet. Um, And I just got really lucky with timing because then I think in a few months, um, CDS for apps became Power Apps. And I think the UK, I think he put up his hand to sort of test the Power Platform subsidiary um, product marketing role. And I'd already been an eager beaver. So I had got that job. And then after about 
gosh, like a year and a half, Corp needed someone to sort of take over the the global sort of reins for doing the, the GTM for Power Apps. And I think I'd probably done it, one of the folks in the field that had done it for sort of the longest time in the UK. So they sort of asked me to come over. And I must have decided in about like 10 seconds. I was yeah, like, okay, yeah. I'll come. And yeah, now it's been a year and a half. Wow. So Microsoft relocated you from London across there. And uh, you've obviously set out this whole pandemic um, remote from the UK. What about family? Oh, my gosh. I haven't seen my family in over a year now. Mm. Um, I think I was in the US for about four or five months before um, COVID hit. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was really lucky to kind of make a bit of a support system here, like before we got locked down. But yeah, I cannot wait. I can't wait to go back to um, to London to see my friends and family. Nice. Is Virgin Atlantic still doing that flight straight into Seattle to London? I have no idea. I mean, I at the moment, I don't think you're allowed to travel in between um, without oh. like, particular reasons, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, which I do not currently uh, fulfill. So I have no idea, but I hope so soon. Yeah, yeah. I've I've done that flight a few times when I was living in the UK. Um, it's good that it can be done in one one trip. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. All right, I, for me, it's been a whole year with no travel whatsoever, which is just absolutely bizarre. Yeah, is there anywhere in particular you want to go? Um, yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I actually want to go to Greece. Um, nice. Greece is, is a place that I haven't spent any time in. Um, just before leaving London, because you know I moved back to New Zealand, mm-hmm. I actually had a chance to really. Um, spend some more time in Italy and Italy is probably our favorite country uh, in the world I'd say Mm. Um, tell me how did you settle into Seattle like did you get in that four months did you get around and see everything Mount Rainer you know uh, the fish markets the all the go to see places you know get out on the um, uh, out on the water that type of thing I have done a bunch of that stuff, yes. The one thing I haven't done yet, which I'm saving, is the Space Needle, which I have not done. But no, most of the outdoor things, been to the market, yeah, I really like it so far. Like the outdoors, like all the parks, um, it's been good so far, despite everything. Nice. So tell us about the role you're in now. What What's it involve? What, you, what does a day in the life of Briny look like? And, uh, yeah, what it, what teams are you interacting with, that type of thing? Yeah, no, absolutely. So I am sort of the core product marketing manager for Power App, sort of my official title. I also um, manage Dataverse, Dataverse with Teams and um, Microsoft Power FX. So my no day is the same. Um, I do really love all the variety and the challenges that we have. I mean, we, I kind of think about the, the product marketing manager role here centralized in Seattle. It's, it's kind of like being a little bit of like a COO of your business. Mm-hmm. You're kind of like working across so many different channels, across sales, across like your, your global demand center, your enablement, like all of your content, your social strategies, our first party events. You're sort of moving a million little chess pieces around and sort of making sure that you're essentially doing the most to sort of grow the business kind of long-term, like in the short and the long-term, um, and just making sure that it's all kind of, you know, meeting the needs of your customers and kind of doing what's right for them. Yeah. So are you kind of the interface to some degree as well between messages landing that, are, you know, R&D product team, uh, engineering, that type of thing, and building, and then the various Microsoft subsidiary 
industries, which ultimately, of course, roll out to, you know, partner ecosystems, end customer, that type of thing. Are you the glue between understanding what it is in the message landing, or is it more you just find the message and tell engineering what to build? <laughs> I would say more the glue in between. I think mm-hmm. engineering is already has like a really great sort of tap into customers, like through advisory boards, through the community, through champs groups. So I think that, you know, from a roadmap perspective, they're super agile and iterative. I definitely think it's more sort of the glue, like making sure that we're messaging, positioning, like industry lens, like the way that we do it, the channels that we use. Um, That's sort of, I think, where I come in. Yeah. Do you have any beat on the scale of, you know, uh, this is a bit more than just power apps, but the biz apps, you know, um, Market size now, we saw an analyst report came out a few weeks ago with, I think, was it a 36% uh, year-on-year growth? And we knew last year an analyst came out um, and talked about three-point-something billion-dollar business now to Microsoft. Mm -hmm. Um, How's the growth going? And, um, yeah, what's your view on it? Absolutely. Do you mean the growth of BizApps or Apple or PowerPuffle? BizApps and then then let's chunk it down to Power Platform because I've I've noticed that also that's been a vertical climb, um, particularly through COVID, the adoption rate of the Power Platform. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think on both fronts, like it is, it's really exciting. I think growth for business applications a lot um, has been huge throughout the last year. I think the market continues to sort of grow and I think dynamics becomes, you know, more and more like used by, you know, the Fortune 500, like it's just scaling really well. And the more and more I see kind of like the customer stories that come in for Dynamics 365 as well, I think that's also a huge sort of testament to like how that business is growing and the type of transformation it's enabling. And I think for Power Platform sort of specifically, I think similarly, like, I mean, I think our growth, our growth rates are, you know, they're phenomenal. Like Power Apps is probably the, I think it is the fastest growing product within business applications from a usage and a revenue perspective. But I think if you look at a lot of our, the customer stories that we've published, like I'm obviously in marketing, so that's sort of an area that we see like in the type of customer stories and the evidence that like we are creating and, and the customers that we're talking to, like, it's a lot about like the scale that we're seeing, the adoption that we're seeing within organizations. You know, when we first started doing evidence like two, three years ago, like you have a really exciting use case, you know, whereas now the stories that we're telling are just, you know, it's like we have 9,000 apps and we have a community of like 900 like app builders and champs within the organization. Like it's just a completely different level of like scale and it's more about you know, less about solving one challenge. And a lot of the stories that we tell now, it's about kind of low, low code kind of being like this new revolution. Like it's the way that you solve problems at scale. And I think that's so clear from the customer stories that we're publishing, like T-Mobile, for example, is, um, Coca-Cola is another one, like stories that we've just published that really can show that kind of end-to-end value and the scale um, of change that we're seeing. So, so that's interesting in that, you know, for, for years we've heard the story of build app, you know, build an app, build an app, build an app. And then what I noticed is that probably in the last three to six months is Pivot, mm-hmm. where we're seeing the the concept of platform coming into play a lot more in businesses. I was just talking to Alan from Slumberjay earlier today, and, you know, he's saying we've currently got 9,000 apps and, um, sorry, 
19,000 apps going on to 20,000, you know, and it's become part of their core business, every part of it. And, you know, I think of, um, you know, Virgin Atlantic, where they really went for that entire, once again, a real platform story where they're building, you know, moving workloads, business workloads over to the platform, um, you know, bringing all the power of the, the individual components. And um, we're seeing more and more companies, if you like, take a platform view than just an app view, and and what do you, what do you think is is that tipping point? What, why do businesses you know that might start off with just a single app strategy then really tip and 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 really look at how many apps or how many old soft or you know old items of software in the business can be retired and migrated to the power platform? I think there's a couple of pieces that come into that. There's that kind of like mindset change within organizations that I think has taken a bit of time. Like if I think about the conversations we were having with customers three years ago and the conversations that we're having today, you know, like addressing the concerns of shadow IT, for example, like I feel like we hear that a lot less now to some degree. Um, so I think like we're seeing exactly the same thing that you're saying, like that, that mindset of, you know, solving one problem to sort of solving hundreds at scale. And I also think it's sort of a value element as well. Um, really, you know, seeing the value that low code can drive, uh, the value of, you know, really, you know, actually kind of gearing down to some degree and really being efficient across not just like one particular like and devs, but across your entire like low, no, pro sort of audience and really seeing that kind of come together. And I think you mentioned Alan from like Slumberjay and like that's that's an amazing thing that they've done, haven't they? Like with your kind of, with their community and their um, sort of fusion and kind of like, you know, development as a team sport that they've embraced. Like that's, that element, I think, of fusion teams um, has also had an impact on the scale um, piece that then sort of follows through afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. And and that is, it's definitely, it's, it's almost not just a decision from let's say the CIO, et cetera, to adopt a platform like this, what we're seeing is almost a culture shift within companies where, you know, those subject matter experts are really getting hands-on and, you know, building things with the technology and it's exploding, you know, as going back to Alan's example there where they've got, they've got a whole community inside their business, you know, that are excited and building apps, but, you know, solving business problems yeah. with the power platform. Yeah, exactly. Tell me, what's top of mind when it comes to power apps? What, what are you seeing on the horizon or what's just landed, um, you know, builds happening recently? What's the big things for you? I mean, I think I would say firstly, I think it's an incredibly exciting time to be in power apps. I'm a little, little bit biased, but I think like top of mind for, for me is, um, I mean, definitely we just talked about fusion teams. I think that is a big area of focus for us. Um, I think, you know, enterprise trust as well. Like we wouldn't be getting like the scale. We wouldn't be getting the buy, the buy-in, I think, from, from IT and from all of our devs if we didn't have that enterprise trust piece. I mean, that's really core to kind of the heart of Microsoft. I think some things that I'm particularly excited about from working really closely on is, of course, you know, this theme of kind of AI everywhere. You know, not just thinking about how we... Um, obviously enable our customers to leverage like AI through, you know, the no low code models of AI builder, but also, you know, the really exciting things that we announced at 
build um, with relation to, you know, being able to now use AI within your, you know, app authoring and app development experiences. So this is really just another level of empowering our developers to accelerate, enabling us as developers to be able to, you know, um, build more complex solutions more easily. So I think, you know, leveraging GPT-3, leveraging like the pros AI model, really um, as a part of that authoring experience, I'm incredibly excited about that um, and what I think that's going to mean for us in the future. And then I think lastly is, is probably um, PowerFX. I mean, we, we announced that early, earlier this year. I think we couldn't be more thrilled about like how it's going. Um, and, you know, at Build, announcing that it's coming into database calculated columns and into model-driven commanding. Um, you know, just having like the extension of that kind of like Excel formula bar experience and all the goodness that then comes with that, you know, for the first time outside of Power Apps, really starting to see that vision come come through. Um, I think those things are incredibly exciting. Incredible. Now, it's interesting, mentioned GPT-3 there, which is Generative Pre-Trained Transformer 3, which is, you know, an AI uh, tooling. And I see in, according to Wikipedia, September 2022, sorry, September the 22nd, 2020, Microsoft exclusively uh, acquired the commercial license, you know, um, for that and and to to use it in applications. How how does that happen? Microsoft then trickle into your team? Was it or was it the BizApp team that kind of led? Let's go after this bit of technology because it's going to transform us. Or was it a, a in the wider Microsoft and your team have uncovered the use case? And you know, I've seen it, uh, you know, um, working, and it's it's a powerful story, right? And how quickly yeah. people can build out formulas and things like that, you know, using natural language. Um, yeah. How did, how did that process come about? I mean, I think, I mean, to be completely honest, I'm not sure, I'm not that close to kind of the all up, um, the, the agreement and the exclusive license. Like we, we do partner with that team, but I'm not as close to it as I am on like the Power App side. I do know that, for example, like Power Apps within GDT3, the announcement that we made at Build, like that is, an, I think what was incredibly exciting about it is that I think there's a lot of plans that we have obviously across Microsoft, but, you know, I think this, um, GBT3 as a part of ideas within Power Apps. And, um, you know, it's the first time I think to some degree that we're really kind of making it commercially available. Like it's public pre, it's, it's public preview already in June. So it's incredibly exciting in the sense of it's not just like, you know, this concept of a uh, natural language to PowerFX code. It's like, it's real now. Like you can go and try it. You can get feedback on it. Customers can use it. Um, so I think that really it's probably just the beginning for us. Um, but, um, build that. Yeah. So, so do you think we'll see it rolled into everything from, um, Power Automate to, to PowerFX and, and really at a platform level, will we see GPT-3 really becoming a way that we can, you know, discover once again, insights in our data, build out flows, Mm -hmm build apps? Well, I think within, I mean, power, so GBT3 is, is to some degree, it's a really built within, like it, it really is actually attached to kind of power effects to some degree. Mm-hmm. I mean, gotcha. Just seeing gotcha. that experience kind of add value within power apps. 
I can totally imagine that within time, like as PowerFX becomes the consistent language across the Power Platform, given that there's, these are models that are essentially built specifically for PowerFX, you'll start to see that goodness of these AI-powered experiences, not just by GBT3, but by other appropriate AI models like Pros, for example, which we're leveraging for the programming by examples, which we also announced, um, you know, be, be used and sort of spread that goodness across the Power Platform, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you, you've mentioned Fusion Teams a few times. Can you unpack that a bit for me? Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's, it's something that I, I think is, you know, we have a lot of announcements um, that are super exciting around that space. And it's something I think we've been working on, you know, for some time. Um, you know, the collaboration experiences that are getting built into the product um, and not just within Power Apps, but across, of course, the whole Power Platform. Um, and really just enabling that kind of no to pro, bringing those developers you know, more closely together to kind of, you know, have your pro devs building the components, enabling, you know, putting guardrails in place, and then really actually kind of collaborating and working closely with business, like really bringing to life that kind of idea of, you know, working, like building with business as opposed to kind of building for business. Um, and I think once that happens, you know, you see much higher adoption rates, uh, you just see, you know, this better engagement of your users with the apps. So that's something we consistently see as a result of, of Fusion Teams. The customers getting more value as well, not from the solutions that they've built from an efficiency perspective, but also the end result of that. Yeah, yeah. Exciting times. You also mentioned enterprise trust. Is that really extension um, of, of the work you're doing, whether it be in... Um, Oh, I can't think of the technology right now, but is it is it got to do with your center of excellence mm. and the tooling around that, or is it even more beyond that? I think it's beyond that. It, it is beyond that. I mean, enterprise trust to us is very much, you know, you're thinking about your governance, you're thinking about security, it's compliance, it's that reliability piece. Um, it's all of that coming together into kind of like the foundations of scale, if that sense. Um, and I think Microsoft, I think Power Apps and Power Platforms specifically, like we certainly leverage those foundations of Microsoft. Um, I think which really, you know, being Microsoft low-code application uh, development platform, you know, really being able to scale and leverage those, like thinking about like the number of, like I don't think there's any low-code vendor on the market that has as many sort of compliance applications, totally. for example. Yeah. Like we have more than, I think, 19 now specifically that apply to Power Apps. So um, I think that kind of forms a part of it. But then obviously also like how can we do more for the Power Platform specifically? You know, greater visibility, more control. Like we'll continue to invest in this space and, and help, you know, particularly it sort of goes hand in hand to some degree with Fusion Teams and the scale piece. So in, in the last, you know, six or so months, we've seen um, the Common Data Service or CDS uh, get renamed mm -hmm. to, to the data. Dataverse and uh, and we're seeing Dataverse teams. <clears throat> I know you're being involved, you know, um, uh, through that whole journey. What what what's what are you seeing in the market as a result of this? I know it uh, a bit of it had to do with clarifying the difference between a common data model or some confusion mm -hmm. with common data service, and therefore you know Dataverse is, is out now. And of course, 
it's really becoming the language we're using um, every day when we're, we're building apps and solutions. Are you seeing an increase, though, in the adoption of Dataverse, particularly in apps perhaps that were in the past built on SQL or, or something else? Are you seeing a, a, a greater growth? Are you seeing more like SharePoint folks migrating mm-hmm. over, you know, to the full rich functionality of the Dataverse? Yes, I think that the definite sort of answer to that is yes. I don't have the numbers to hand. I know I was looking at that a few weeks ago, but yes, the growth rates that we're actually seeing in, in Dataverse is, is sort of being the core um, platform for Power Apps. It's growing significantly. I'm not sure if we can if we can just take credit from the name for that. Um, yeah, yeah. But definitely seeing phenomenal growth there. I think it's outpacing. Um, like all other potential backends at the moment. And then um, in terms of data versus for teams, yes, no, absolutely say the same thing. I think there's definitely something to be said about, you know, being driven a little bit by remote work and, and, and the growth of teams as well. Um, I think there's something now like 145 million like daily users on um, teams. I think that was announced in the earnings call uh, last week. So I think, like just being a part of that and being able to, you know, offer these templates that are really easy to get going, that are built on Dataverse for Teams and also just Dataverse for Teams, you know, that Excel-like experience being built into the Teams experience for the Embedded App Studio. You've just got this kind of um, kind of intuitive app authoring experience that's sort of built for our Teams users. So we're seeing really exciting growth there as well. Yeah. It, it's funny. So, so the next question is really about the small things that happen. And I, I'm, I'm sure you're close with this, but for some time there's been a call, you know, with the name change, et cetera, for a new icon to represent the Dataverse, being that, you know, um, Ryan Jones, for example, when he came out uh, probably two years ago with it, with a uh, moniker of of the Dataverse, because he was very clear this is not just a database, yeah. it's, it's servers, it's infrastructure, it's so much more. And of course... Now we have the, uh, you know, the the new icon. How did that come about? I've seen a few people say it looks like uh, something you'd throw in the laundry <laughs> detergent, you know, to to uh, clean your clothes or in your dishwasher. Uh, it looks like a dishwasher tablet of some sort. How did how did the design come together for that one? I mean, yeah, uh, that was we went through. I mean, we went through so many different icon iterations. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing I've learned is. It is literally impossible to find an icon that does not remind someone of something either else. a snail or a tortoise or mm-hmm. a toilet bowl or mm-hmm. um, a tie, yeah, a tied um, dishwasher icon. Yeah. Um, or you know, or, or, or another icon that's really, really well known in the um, in the market. Um, I'm really excited about the icon that we did end on. Um, yeah, I think looks good. Fun. I like the colors, and 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 I think it's it's totally yeah. unique in our ecosystem, which is important. But tell me what you, what you're thinking behind it. So I mean, um, I think we really wanted to you know pick a. I think we, we thought a lot about colors. So we started on the color mm-hmm. palette. Um, it's mint green color palette. Um, nice. I think a lot of it was thinking about like green, like being the foundation of everything that kind of things grow from to some degree. Nice. Um, I like it. Which of course is sort of database and mm-hmm. is the foundation for so much goodness within Power Apps. So I think that was, that was an area that we kind of, we liked, we explored as a team. And then I think from a um, 
from a shape perspective, we went in so many different directions. Um, and actually, um, the the kind of shape that we kind of ended with is kind of inspired by um, the shape of the universe, like uh, the shape of a galaxy. Um, yeah. And I, I actually had to look into this when we were doing it, but you do actually get very rare green galaxies <laughs> made mm-hmm, of a mm-hmm. special type of gas. But um, I think it was more like the name of Dataverse we all loved. So um, kind of like taking inspiration of the shape of like galaxies in space, um, given all the directions we went in, like thinking about the scale of that, like all the different parts that kind of make make it up, the uniqueness of it. That's sort of the direction that we kind of went in with the designers. I like it. I like it. As in, uh, when I look at it, you know, I get the yin-yang also in there in the design. Mm-hmm. And also, um, you know, coming from New Zealand, we have a thing called a koru, and a koru is like an unfurling frond and indicates new life and new possibilities. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's great. It's a it's a it's a great representation, and I know a lot of people in in telling the story of the power platform want to kind of um, uh, you you know tell that story around the dataverse because the, you know it is the, there's that confusion that it is just a database. It's you know uh, Azure SQL sitting there, yet it's so much more. And I think to to give the right iconography to it, it gives it power, gives it a story, and uh, yeah, good work. Cool, thanks. Tell us about PowerFX. What's top of mind for you with PowerFX? That's another area that you're responsible for. Yes. No, I mean, I we've had a really fun year this, um, this year with PowerFX. I mean, announcing it at Ignite, I don't think we could have been, I think, you know, more overjoyed by, I think, the excitement that we received from the community and from our customers um, and already kind of the interest that we're seeing um, in the open source element is particularly um, exciting. Um, and then, yeah, like as I mentioned, um, the extension of PowerFX into you know, not only like model-driven commanding, which I think really brings together a really lovely story from, um, you know, on top of the converged app progress that we talked about at Embas, but, um, you know, the first time that we are sort of bringing PowerFX into Dataverse calculated columns, um, you know, bringing bringing that Excel-like kind of intuitive simplified experience, you know, you're taking, you know, a process that is to some degree, you know, time-consuming, like complex formulas, you know, pop-ups following a workflow, you know, you're not really looking at this like declarative kind of data experience and really kind of bringing in that kind of like Excel-like formula-driven experience of PowerFX, I think the goodness, well, I'm very excited about you know, the goodness that we are going to see and I think the ease of use that that is going to bring to our customers, particularly as Dataverse is growing so quickly, um, I'm really excited about it. So so I hear, uh, you know, uh, third parties are starting to adopt it and um, and 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 use it in, in their technology as well. Is it, do you think, because, you know, ultimately... Excel is so, you know, prevalent in organizations and people understand that kind of formula complex of Excel. And now you're bringing it and making it available at all, you know, pretty much all touch points across the BizApp suite of products. Do you think that that's partly driving it? And also the, my follow-on question from that is, is what, what feedback are you getting from folks um, now that it's out in market? 
Um, I think to answer your first question, I think that's, I think it's a huge driver for it. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, the, we have hundreds of millions of, you know, folks around the world who are familiar with um, the language. There is much lower sort of learning curve to it. Um, so I think that is one element. And of course, with like GBT3, even having like, you know, natural language to code and code to natural language, like that lower, that learning code, that learning curve for the formula becomes even lower. Um, so I think that familiarity piece is, is huge. Um, so I definitely think that has a lot to do with it. I also think that power effects apart from that is also unique, like having a low code textual, you know, computer language that is mm -hmm. open source, like to some degree, I'm obviously biased given yeah. it's like one of my babies, but like, <laughs> you know, that's a pretty exciting thing. That's, you know, it's first of its kind to some degree. Yeah. Um, so I think that is really exciting. So, um, the take up that we have seen, like out, you know, with third parties that we're starting to see, um, yeah, that is, that is very exciting. I've also forgotten what your second question was, to be honest. No, that, that was, you know, what, what's the feedback you're getting um, from folks that are, that are starting to adopt it? Well, yeah, I mean, um, so I think we, we are starting to see that absolutely like working with other organizations. Um, I actually saw a really cool demo this week, um, of a third party had built with PowerFX. So yes, like, um, we're seeing some really, <laughs> some really cool stuff. And also what's really cool is like, it like really quickly, like the time that it's taken as well, which I think is also again, down to the language and low code, but mm -hmm. yeah. I think it's exciting times ahead. So good, so good. What uh, what resources do you recommend that people go out and check if they want to one get up to speed on PowerFX? They want to see you know where the dataverse is going and you know the latest things around GP, uh, GPT three uh, etc. What are the where do you recommend they go learn read up on that type of thing? That's a great question. I think um, for me, I'd probably say first and foremost, like a lot of like getting the latest and greatest in the space, like you're probably going to find a really cool blog on the Power Apps or the Power Platform um, blog home site. Mm -hmm. um, that's often a place that I go <laughs> when I'm sharing resources with folks. I mean, I think if you want a deeper dive, like we always make sure that we kind of land the end-to-end -end story on, you know, Microsoft Docs and our product group, you know, is great at keeping that completely up to date. So, you know, if you're ever looking for a deeper dive. And then I know like Sora Pant has, you know, the Power Platform Learning Resources blog, which is probably the most comprehensive set of sort of end-to-end -end learning resources that we've ever published. So I always recommend that folks go there. Um, and then YouTube, lastly, I think, you know, YouTube for us is really growing as a space for folks to kind of learn and, you know, not just obviously Microsoft content, but there's a lot of like, Mark, you are like a fantastic sort of, you know, leader in the community. And I think the videos that we have from uh, folks, you know, the ones I've seen on PowerFX, they've been sort of, mm -hmm. you know, community created and shared, like they're fabulous. I love it. Um, I love yeah. It. People share. We definitely need folks to, to watching them. Great. We'll make sure we get those links um, in the show notes. Before I let you go, who do you recommend as a guest for a future show? So I think we talked quite a bit today about power effects, and it is an area I'm particularly excited about. And I think that there is sort of a special story there when you think about, like, when you think about languages and the history of language and, like, also the future 
of open source languages. So I think I would recommend that you speak to Greg Lindhorst, who is a Microsoft uh, program manager, who is sort of the expert on PowerFX. And he would be a great person to kind of go a bit deeper with, talk about the history, talk about the future. Um, so he would be like it. Foundation. Sounds awesome. I always like to end these shows with a few random questions <laughs> okay. about life. About anything, really, they're random. So uh, are you ready for yours? Okay. They're quick fire. Just say pass if you if nothing springs to mind. But uh, first off, would you rather end the life of one human being or 100 puppies and kittens? Oh, gosh. Puppies and kittens probably better would be so sad. <laughs> What's the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to you on a first date? Oh, my word. Pass. Nothing's coming to mind, but there's probably so many. <laughs> what are you most worried about the next generation? Oh, social media. I just worry that they live their lives kind of not processing it properly themselves, but like through other people's eyes. True, true. What are the first 30 minutes of your typical day look like? Oh, waking up and having a cup of tea. I have not lost mm. my British sensibility. Wow, I was going to say, that's very British of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I must say, like, I'm working with a lot of American friends here to bring up their, their tea making and drinking abilities. They don't, Americans don't do it enough. Mm -hmm. if, you could, could pick, if you could pick up one skill instantly, what would it be? Probably singing. Mm, interesting. Wow. And finally, you're at a cafe. What type of drink do you order? Ooh, maybe like a chai tea. Mm. Is, it, is there a difference between a chai tea and a chai latte? I think so. Just um, one's got more, one's got milk, one's got water, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, we're probably like Americanizing actually like chai, I guess, because chai mm. yeah, is just tea. But um, I think chai tea could be more like it's boiled with water and then a chai latte would be um, with milk. And here you can even have a dirty chai latte where they add espresso to it. Wow. Okay. That is different. Haven't heard of that one. Yeah. Bryony, thanks so much for coming on the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Business Applications MVP, Mark Smith, also known as the NZ365 Guy. Hopefully you learn a lot from today's episode that you go out, touch these tools, get used to them, learn them, and apply them uh, in the apps that you are building. Full show notes, as I say, for this episode can be found at nz365guy.com forward slash 316. Stay safe out there and see you next time.